Hayes, Lauren, and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on this Thursday installment of the program. Frank Frangie, along with Hayes Carline and Lauren Brooks. Not a good day in Gainesville, Hayes. That'd be my assessment. Not a good day, um, you know, even though this was uh, widely speculated that it was going to be coming. The news of Trevor Etienne uh, entering the transfer portal is, uh, I think it's devastating for a couple reasons. Obviously, you don't have very many good players. He's certainly an electric player. So that hurts your offense next year. But I think he's going to transfer to a school you're going to play. I think it's probably Georgia or FSU and you know, so not only do you have the indignity of him leaving in a year where you absolutely need him, but now he's probably going to be the enemy. And if he comes in here for the cocktail party next year, I'm guessing he's going to run for about 175 yards and three touchdowns. In the first half. The, uh, do you think he's going to Georgia? I mean, I yes. mean that's been the rumor, right? Well, I mean, I mean, the strongest rumor was that he was leaving Florida. Right, that's the, right. The, there isn't as much of a wind on where he is going. But to me, I, I mean, every school's going to offer him. Right. So, you know, I, I would obviously think he stays in the South. His brother played at Clemson. Right. His brother lives here now in Jacksonville. And the so, mom likes him being kind of close. Yeah, right? so I would think, I mean, if, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm absolutely taking him. Right. So I, I don't know what the holdup would be. It would, and, and if you're Trevor Etienne, you're leaving Florida because you want to go and, and win and, and have great players around you. So to me, I don't know why it wouldn't be Georgia. You know, Florida State doesn't make as much sense to me because they're replacing their entire offensive line. You don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Uh, it's also three hours, like, west. You know, so it's in terms of a, of a drive for right. the ETN family, it may not be as easy. Uh, so, I don't know. To me, it would be if – I, if, if I were Trevor ETN and I had made this decision to leave, I would go to Georgia. And if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm doing cartwheels right now. Yeah, I think – Today, I think, was worse. The feeling, knowing he was absolutely entering the transfer portal, is worse than seeing Princely Uman Mielin leave. As much as he meant to the defense, Trevor Etienne and Graham Mertz and Trey Wilson, at least you were excited about what the offense could be next season. Now, it, I mean, who's, who's Graham Mertz going to hand the ball off to? A freshman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, or Montreal Johnson if he comes back. <clears throat> this one didn't bother me as much as Princely because I, I figured this one was coming. Now, he's what, and I got a lot of thought. We're going to talk a lot about this in our first segment. But I'll say this: you don't want. I said the 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 most damaging thing is losing good veteran players who who could have come back. Well, you might have just lost your best offensive and defensive player. I mean, I mean, you could say, well, maybe Trey Wilson's better, maybe Ricky Pearsall, but. Maybe Graham Mertz because he plays quarterback. But you could make the argument he's their best offensive player. No doubt which, about it. And I, I think and, most talented is the way I would probably phrase it, yeah. So you could have just lost your best offensive and defensive players. Um, that's the concern. i got a lot of thoughts about it. I'm going to start the show with it. But, but yeah, I, I, you're not surprised. I'm not surprised. But it still hit hard, didn't it, even though, even though you kind of knew it was coming? Well, it's just a referendum on how poor the Florida program is right now. This is a guy Billy Napier recruited, uh, and you know it's it's just obvious that Trevor Etienne looks around and says, "Why would I stay here?" 
you know, why, why be a part of this when we're not winning? Uh, all I'm going to hear next off season and, and in season is how the coach is on the hot seat, which, you know, who knows, maybe he even gets fired in season. If we get off to a slow start, why would I deal with all that? I, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that my blocking is going to be great next year. I, why would I deal with that when I can go to, a, let's just say it's Georgia. I can go to Georgia. I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm going to have great players all around me. Defenses aren't going to be able to key on me because we're going to be able to throw the ball. I, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, they're going to have a great offensive line because it's what Kirby smarts recruited ever since he got to Georgia. He's recruited the trenches incredibly well. So, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, it's a no-brainer. It just stings because it's such a glaring example of the chasm between Florida and being good. And I'm sure he got the advice from his older brother that it's probably better for you for the NFL and for your mental health, honestly, to go somewhere else. To walk around a campus where everyone's furious with the head coach and with the team, that's not that much fun. And, oh, by the way, you can set yourself up better in the NFL draft by going to a school that's, that is going to protect you better. And what you said is right. It's not much fun. Because one of the things I want to get into it, 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 after, the, after the first break here is, why are they leaving? I mean, I mean what, what is the, 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 the easy answer is, duh, they're not very good. They want to go to a good team. Okay, I get, I, I get that. And, and, I, and I don't doubt that the easy answer is the answer. But, why, but, but if, you, if you really investigate it, why did Princely leave? Why did ETN leave? Why did Chris McClellan leave? Why are they leaving? And I want to discuss that. And how do you solve that? Is it by just firing the coach and bringing in a new coach? And would that stop them? You know, in the in the in the portal era, I don't know if it's stopping anybody, but I got a thought or two about that. So we're gonna, I want to, I want to weigh in on all that after the break. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do that early in the program. Uh, Greg McGarity joins us by phone today because he's got a press conference earlier, so he'll be by phone at two forty. Rick Belus stops in at three three o'clock by phone to talk FSU and the snub that was the Knowles and where they go from here. All that coming up on the program. We'll do our picks later on today as well. But Trevor, play yes or no? I'm gonna say no. Trevor, play yes or no? Trevor Lawrence plays. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. yeah <laughs> Since we were it. just talking about Trevor yeah, ET, yeah, I'm just Trevor clarifying. You, you, you say yes. Yes. You say no. Yes. Man, I'm torn. I have gone back and forth. I'm leaning toward no, but I'm not sure it's no. I, I'm not I, – I, just watching that presser yesterday, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I can tell you this. The team doesn't know. He doesn't know. I don't think Doug Peterson knows. I don't think Press Taylor knows. I don't think Mike McCoy, the quarterback's coach, knows. And I, and I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody's holding out on anybody. I think there's – but here's what's interesting. Usually by midday Thursday, if you think a guy might play, he often plays. You know that? Most guys that are out, you kind of know they're out. Think about that. I mean, I can tell you this. I thought Devon Hamilton wasn't playing last week. I, I, I generally spend a lot of time in that building on Thursdays and some midweek times and get a pretty good idea because I'm, I'm trying to plan my broadcast and our broadcast and try to pr- prepare our boards. And, and I, uh, um, I have a pretty good idea. When I got there Sunday and Devon Hamilton was not down and was in uniform, I was very surprised. So I can tell you because I was surprised and I spent enough time over there I think there would have been some Friday-Saturday, you know what I mean, some Friday-Saturday surprise that he was on the field. I can tell you, I was in the building today, I don't think anybody knows on Trevor. I, I don't, 
I kind of thought yesterday was a no. You know, I, I, even that, even after the presser, and and I'm not saying I think it's a yes. I just think it's a it's 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 a, it's a maybe now. Now look, you're playing a really good defense. It's not a playoff game. It's going to be rainy, according to the reports. Look, yeah, and temperatures are now getting lower than when I first saw them. I yeah. saw somewhere between 44 and 47 instead of high yeah, low 50s. Yeah. And I don't and I don't think Pack cold, warmly, gentlemen. Yeah, and I don't think cold weather cold versus warm affects whether the quarterback plays, but I think wet could affect it. Wet, but I wet do think could. the colder it gets, that the more your bones can hurt if they're yeah. if there's an issue. I don't know this is more ligaments, but still it, it might you yeah. might could feel it worse. You could, but I don't think that'll affect whether he plays. I think rain haze could affect whether he plays. If you're in, if you're undecided whether to play him or not, and it's going to be a quagmire, that in my mind that would be more reason not to play. Yeah, and again, I think you also have to look macro at this as well. In in big picture, the Jaguars it's sort of a house money game. I mean, y- you need to go three and two in your final five. Uh, that would make the Colts and Texans have to win out to beat you for the division title, and the Baltimore game is by far the most important game. And look, it maybe you get the win if C.J. Beathard is playing. Look, he's not going to have to score much. I mean, whoever scores 17 points I think is going to win the game. So I, I almost would view it as a load management thing and say he's obviously not close to 100%. Why not give him this game off? Uh, it is in the elements. It's going up against a defense that is – nasty and try to get him as close to I mean I still don't think he's going to be near 100% for the Ravens game but at least get him closer to that uh, for that Sunday night football game and and then just hope that Beathard can lead you to a win Sunday I mean again Sunday's winner is going to be whoever makes the one inexplicable play to to win the game it's not going to take a lot of heavy lifting uh, you're, it's not going to be win a shootout uh, it's it's probably going to be whichever team melts down the least on offense. And uh, so in looking at it, I wouldn't play him uh, unless I was given pretty much every assurance from the medical staff that he's not going to do be able to do anything to re-aggravate that. But we know an ankle sprain, there's no guarantee of that. I mean, if he gets hit and twisted, he could absolutely make it worse. So if I'm the Jaguars – I'm not playing him. He's out. I mean, I, I would bring it right up to 90 minutes before kick, before right. making him inactive, so that obviously Cleveland has to work on him all week. But to me, it would be Beathard's game. The only thing that would somewhat cloud it is if Beathard can't really is, isn't close to being able to play either. Yeah. Uh, then at that point, you might have to play Trevor. But I think ideally you wouldn't play him and get him ready for Baltimore. Right now, Nathan Rourke is on the practice Practice squad. Before he was, they they actually put him on the roster on that when the Thursday night knee thing happened. Before with Trevor, now he is actually on the uh, practice squad. So to be a, if if you make him a practice squad elevation, which you can do, he then can't be the emergency quarterback. He's got to be up. So if you make him, you can't be that. You can't get a practice squad elevation. These new rules are hard to follow because they change a lot every year with the quarterback. Mm -hmm. But you can't make him a practice squad elevation, and then he's the third emergency quarterback and still have fifty three guys up. If you bring him up, he's one of your 53. So, so that, they have to decide that, too. And they don't have to decide it until Saturday. But they have to decide. I'm, I'm sure they're going to take him. And so you decide now, is he up on your roster? So there's a lot of things. But, again, I'm, I, I was less convinced he played yesterday than I am now. Hayes says no. Lauren says yes. 
And I'm not saying he plays the whole game. No, no. I just uh, think he, you think he, he at least tries to go out there. Yeah, and by the way, they there's no there's no dressing him and making him inactive and not playing him. He's not going to be the emergency quarterback. If Trevor Lawrence is is in uniform, he's going to he's going to be the starting quarterback. So we'll see. So we'll talk more about that, the significance of that of the game. But let's take a break. When we come back, the news of the day around here, Trevor Etienne, no real surprise, is leaving Florida on the heels of Princely uh, Uman Mielin leaving yesterday, Chris McClellan leaving. I've got a lot of thoughts about that. That'll lead, uh, that'll be our lead topic. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Sometimes what happens is you go for these long walks. Dad walks. I heard someone call it today, which is fantastic. Call it what? Dad walks. Oh, dad walks. Yeah, I think he said dead walks. Dad walks. Turn that up a little bit, Arjun. For whatever reason, Van Morrison kept popping up during the walk. You know what happens then? He makes old rock Thursday, Carla. It's pretty obvious. That's what happens to him. Van Morrison today on Old Rock Thursday. You're a big Van Morrison fan, right? I am. I love Van Morrison. And you didn't start with the anthem. Well, you know what? You know what I've done? If you've been paying attention, I know you have. I have a few times, not always, saved it for last. Yeah. If you know for that, the encore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for the encore. A we've few, almost left, and yeah, then we've yeah. come back few, because we've heard few, the anthem. A few times, uh, a few times this year, of late, I've, I've saved the anthem. If it's a, like, clear, obvious anthem. Like there's a chance Van Morrison has? Yeah, okay. for sure. I've, I've saved those for uh, If you don't know Van Morrison, this song is called Wild Night is Calling. This is my favorite Van Morrison song as far as like the upbeat ones. Yeah. I I have another one that's my all-time favorite right. that may or may not make the playlist. We shall see. I got 100 by me. It might. Uh, the guy last night that was playing at Island Wing played a Van Morrison song. Yeah, he did. He did. That got me thinking about too. Okay. That got about okay. too Well, thank you. I'll say. Uh, I'm, a, I like, I'm a big Van Morrison fan. It's Van Morrison today on Old Rock Thursday. All right, here's my thought, my take on the Gator thing. You knew, you kind of knew Trevor Etienne was going to leave. I say knew. Most people assumed. Uh, it was all over the internet. I mean, it's not, you don't have to be a sleuth to know there's a pretty good chance that was going to happen. You don't, you don't know the impact. You didn't know Princely Uman Mielin was going to come out yesterday, which I think is a big one. I didn't know Chris McClellan, who I think is a pretty good defensive tackle, was going to come out the day before. Um, I didn't know Will Norman, who I thought was one of his better recruits a year ago, was going to come out. Um, so here's the situation in Florida. They're not firing him. They may fire him next year. They may fire him three games in, but he's not getting fired the next week or two. That, that we, we all know that now. So he's a smart enough guy, I've got to believe, to now know because of the way this season went, and I'm including these defections in that season, because they didn't get to a bowl, because they let – they let one get away that they had to win in Arkansas because they looked dysfunctional and poorly coached because there was so much chatter, noise in the system, as my friend Ron Zook used to say, about, about the hot seat coming. He's got to know now that his leash has been shortened to a third year, not a fourth year. Don't, wouldn't you? I mean, common sense would say he's just, you, don't get, you don't get to where he's got by not being a bright guy. Whether he's a good coach or not, I don't know. But you don't, you don't get to that job by not being a bright guy. So – He's got to know by now, now the clock's ticking. Uh, that's all, right. That's obvious. You would think, yeah. but he seems naive on certain things. I hear you. So. Fair point. But, uh, but the, the clock now is obviously ticking. So, no one, so there's two things we now can pretty much ascertain. 
A, he's not getting fired now. I think we all know that. B, the clock is clearly ticking. I think we all can guess that, which I would not have guessed two months ago. I would not have guessed the clock was ticking now. Would you say this clock started ticking when Arkansas won the football game? Yes, 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 yeah. yes I would. That's when I think yeah. it. I, it, it might have yeah. even started ticking. Good point, Lauren. It might have started ticking a little bit when they looked so dysfunctional, so many, so poorly coached. So, so, so they look, when he looked overmatched on the sideline, to, to me, more this year than last year, even though you made the point last year too a little bit. But I think all of that. But then the but yes, the Ar- the alarm clock rang when the when when the Arkansas beat. Because if he makes it to a bowl game, yeah. we're talking about yeah. different things, and these yeah. players probably aren't leaving. And the things that could have happened to shut off the alarm clock, beating Missouri, beating FSU, um, landing this big offensive tackle today that went to Colorado, two or three of those things didn't shut off the alarm clock. Um, Graham Mertz, I thought, might, but didn't really. It might have quieted it a little, just a little, and then all of a sudden the good players come out. So now, so now we know the clock's ticking. I, I don't think there's any debate. We also know he's not being fired. So what can he possibly do now to stave off uh, the Turk, as they used to call it? Well, number one, he's got time now to do something in player acquisition. I don't think in the standard recruiting period he's flipping anybody. I think now the best thing, and again, you, Hayes, you follow closer than I do, but I would think now the challenge is keep, keep Xavier the safety from Texas and right, keep, the, keep the big names you've got. Because I don't think they're flipping anybody. Am I wrong? Am I off the mark on that? I wouldn't think. I mean, I would think the class probably falls a little bit more um, by the time you get to December yeah, 20th. The five-star safety is apparently really considering Texas, and he's from Texas. So that's the one you get. Now, Lagway's going to try and keep him in. So, so, but, I mean, you got to try and keep the big-name guys you've got. So that's first. Second or third is beat Miami, beat UCF, get off to a good start, start 5-1 and one and shock the nation. Well, that's, but that will be affected by two, which is the portal. So what it really comes down to, and the one good thing they've got is it is just crazy, crazy, crazy busy in the portal. So you, so everybody's going to get a few more good players out of the portal than they ordinarily would. you agree with that? Sure. Everybody. He needs to yeah. get 15. I mean, I mean Missouri's going to get more good players out of the portal than they would have gotten before. Of course, Missouri had a good year. But Nebraska's going to get more than they normally would have gotten. So, so – the, the, so now we now know about his only chance now. He lost his most electric uh, offensive player, assuming ETN does transfer out. He lost, I think, his best defensive player. The guy that's led the team in sacks two years in a row in Princely. Um, I think McClellan matters. I think Will Norman matters. I think Caleb Douglas matters. There's some guys that left I don't think matter, but there's five guys that could have really helped the football team next year that I didn't think were leaving. I'll say it again. Douglas, Norman, McClellan, Princely, and now Trevor Etienne. That's five guys that I would not have guessed were leaving. I, I just wouldn't have. The guys that don't play leave. And so so that's five, and that's five guys. And several guys he recruited and brought to Gainesville. And some there, of them, there's yeah, a difference there, That's too. exactly right. So, some, so, so before I go any further, all he really can do now to, to change the perception is – Get a lot of get really good players in the portal. This wouldn't even matter if they're they're highly regarded players. Get good players in the portal, and and then surprise everybody by getting off to a good four or five game start. That's about, right now. That's about all he can do to save his job. Agree or disagree? I totally agree. Um, you know, the only thing I, I in terms of the timeline, what makes it intriguing is his athletic director isn't going to be the one telling him you've got one more year. 
you know, because Scott Strickland is tied to Billy Napier. So I would be interested in knowing the in-house pressure in reality that is being spoken to Billy Napier because his AD has to be on his side in, until the ship goes down. So I, I don't know that there's that imminent pressure that Napier feels. He certainly doesn't seem to be moving very quickly right now. I mean, he's, he's had two openings on his staff for over a week now. Uh, he still has not gotten in front of a single reporter uh, and explained anything in terms of what his plan is to, the, to his fan base. The special teams coordinator is still non-existent. Uh, the offensive coordinator is is still non-existent in terms of will will that be in place? I you know I, I just I think in looking at it, yeah, the the portal is the only way he's going to save himself because I don't think there's anybody in this signing class that is going to save him next year. I agree with that. And so you may have a couple guys that can give you something, uh, but what he what he really needs is to own the portal and particularly now because we talked about how important retention will be well he's going to get an f in that i mean clearly so i you know his only hope now is again to be on those lists of these are the teams that crush the portal and if florida isn't the first name you see he is in real trouble and it's going to be a tough sell because if you're a veteran player who has great offers from around the country, why is Florida going to be your choice? That's going to be the sell he's going to have to make. Uh, if he makes it, then, yeah, maybe they can get off to a, a good start. Uh, I do think the schedule, for in terms of the logos being as hard as it would indicate, I think there there is a chance Florida could get off to a good start, but he's got to find the right guys, and I think it's going to be a, a monumental task for him. And then he's got to get them to gel develop them and then he's got to coach them well in game that seems like an awful lot to ask from what we've seen these first two years yeah and I at this point I understand all the concerns why would you go to Florida but there are some selling points you are going to start right away we do have great facilities we do have good NIL it's it's back on its feet like you will have the opportunity to play some in-state rivals here like there are some selling points as long as he can get them to listen to him in the first place. Yeah, all right. So a few. By the way, someone just sent me this. Uh, and the Nick Nick Taylor Torrey wrote it. Um, our friend Andy Lewis sent it. Thanks, Andy. Um, Twenty players in his initial class. Ten are now in the portal. You realize that? So mm-hmm. twenty players in Billy's first class. Ten, Twenty players he signed. Ten are in the portal this year. That's a lot, and that includes Kamari Wilson. Uh, Chris McClellan, ETN, I mean, the big the, the, the big ones. You know, so, so 10 of the players in his first class are now in the portal two year, a, a year, uh, almost two years later. But, so let me, let me I'm going to stay on this for a second here. Some other things. He's got to survive today and tomorrow. He's, Trevor ETN's the big one. You got to survive the meltdowns all over Gator Nation, right? I mean, you gotta, he's, he's got to continue to get recruits to come in. You got to survive the next two or three days. Agreed? I mean, mm-hmm. this, this is going to be the hard two or three days. The day ETN announced, we're going to be the hard two or three days. So you got to uh, – everyone's jumping off bridges and fire the coach and how can we still have him and blah, blah. So that's all going to happen. You know you had to survive that today. Secondly, one way to survive it 
I would, and I, I would love to see him name an the hell with special teams. I'll worry about that later. I'd love to see him name an offensive coordinator today that coached a good offense. I think if he just did that to, if he he's not doing it, but if he named an offensive coordinator today that excited people, Cade Bell, young guy somewhere, young guy somewhere else who coached a really good offense, I think that would stop the bleeding. Because remember, the bleeding now is just in the court of public opinion. The public opinion, they're not losing a game today. They're not going to lose a game tomorrow. They're not losing a game again until September or late August. Okay, but So the bleeding can stop. Now, I'm not saying you go hire a coordinator just for that reason. But the, and, and to your point, Hayes, he may be tone deaf or he might be too arrogant to do it or he might not think he needs to do it. But if you hired a hotshot coordinator today, that stops the bleeding. It stops the bleeding on on. On Twitter, it stops or X, whatever it is, it stops the bleeding in the court of public opinion. That's why I think that might be the best thing he could do. Go announce tomorrow, hotshot guys, then then go flip a wide receiver because hotshot guys excited. Then go get a couple portal guys. You heard what Denny Thompson said. Mertz coming back will help you with some portal receivers. Carson Beck going back to Georgia will help them with some portal receivers if he announces he's doing that. But I think right now, somehow, some way. Make a move, Hayes, that stops the bleeding somehow, some way. I think that would be a really critical thing for them to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look, if you've got a, a big-time prospect that's a silent commitment, this is when you call them and say, it's time. Uh, let's, right. let's make this public. Yeah, I mean, perception is, is everything in, in college football, particularly now with the portal. Uh, it was always uh, massively important in, in recruiting. Uh, but, but that's, again, I mean, Florida's roster right now, I mean, it's a joke. I mean, it's just a joke. I mean, in, in terms of looking at what they have coming back, yeah, they have a they have a steady veteran quarterback who's you know, I mean, I he's like eighty percentile. They have a you know, five and I mean, seven team, and they look like they've got a five hundred. Yeah, I mean, that, it's right. it's yeah, so. it's 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 bad. I mean, we talked about how young they were and right. how few seniors that they had, but I mean, now it basically is a regular senior class in terms of attrition when you factor in the the players that have announced that they're leaving that could have come back. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's in a, a mountain of trouble. And the only way that I think he has any chance is to devote all of his efforts to the portal. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's doing things still like a coach that knows he's getting four years. He's visiting all these high schools this week, you know, all these prospects. And that's great, Billy, but those guys aren't saving your job next year. They're just not. And Florida fans are at a point now where the, uh, no recruiting class in 25, no hot start in recruiting is going to be enough to save him. If he starts out 3-3 three and three next year and they have the second-best recruiting class in the nation in October, mm-hmm. Florida fans aren't going to care because they want results and they have been patient enough in year three if he gets off to a really bad start to be like, look, it's just not working. Yeah. Nothing against him. But it's not working, and you need to go get the next guy. And the only time that matters is if enough of them get to – if they can get to – Scott Strickland still, unless the president tells him what to do, is going to make the fire the higher. So what happens is, is there enough noise out there that it causes Strickland to lose confidence? That, that's the question. Again, it, it, no matter how much I talk about Swamp, swamp Lizard 34, social media doesn't matter until it affects the, the guy making the decision. When we were in Gainesville – for the spring game, Scott Strickland told us, you know, I've learned to stay off of social media. Right, that's right. It, that was in April. That well, was well before well, this past season of losing. 
now the best players on the team outside of maybe Mertz and Wilson deciding to go elsewhere. But again, he he's going to get to coach against Miami and Sanford and UCF and whoever the first conference conference games are. He's going to yeah, he's going to get to coach those games. There's no debating that. He's going to get to take a team through spring. He's going to get to have a signing class in two weeks. He's going to get to have, have signed more guys in February. He's going to get a chance to sign those 15 portal guys. He's getting that chance to do it. I just think the best way in my mind, I'm not if he would announce offense, hot shot offensive coordinator guy now, and I'm turning it over to him, I think, A, that quiets people in social media, even if the guy's no good, if people think he's good. This is the court of public opinion. B, it probably gets you some more players. Getting more players gets you more players. So they need, he needs to make a decision that is a positive – I'm not saying coaches should make hires just to affect social media or just to affect fans. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if there's one coming, it'd be a good time to announce it. That's my point. But if there's one coming, it'd be a good time to announce the it. The problem is, like you've said, I think a couple of times this week, you don't think he's hiring an offensive coordinator. I, well, so I, that, that's, I think, the most I, glaring thing. I don't think he is, but I keep hearing people that I trust say maybe he is. What do you think? Well, he's yet to fire a single yeah, offensive right. coach. What do you right. think? You think he's hiring a, hiring a guy? You think he's going? You think offense is going to be the same coaches? Yes. Okay. And, and the the evidence would suggest that, wouldn't it? I mean, also, so, if you're a really good offensive coordinator, why would you take this job? Well, they'll they'll take the job. You, but you, if you have offers elsewhere that are more stable, well, you'd yeah, rather I, work there. Yeah, yeah, but but um, the guy that led Division Two in passing, or the guy that led, you know, the guy at Pittsburgh State in Liberty's Kansas. The offensive guy, coordinator. Liberty's offensive right. coordinator is coming. You right. know, they're, they're all coming. The, so. the, the thing, too, is, uh, I, you know, they, the only thing that you hear is, well, maybe he wants to wait until after signing day before making any staff, more staff changes. But my, my point on that is, why? You know, to me, that's not how you should conduct your business. If, if a prospect is signing with you because of a coach and then you fire that coach the next day, mm-hmm. well, what right. kind of relationship are you going to have with that player? That player is right. going to be looking to get in the portal before he even reaches campus. Yeah, the, the, so to me, the the argument over the timeline here doesn't make sense. To me, it's clear he's 10 days past the season being over. I don't think he's doing it. I, I just don't. I don't I, right. My guess is he's going to – he's fired the two coaches that he doesn't want back, and I think he feels like the offense and – the special teams coordinator, none of that has to be changed, which is, I mean, just inexplicably stupid. But it seems like that's where he's at from a decision standpoint. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll keep it on college football. Greg McGarity joins us by phone. Greg is the executive director of the Gator Bowl. He's got a good game. He ought to be excited about that. Clemson and Kentucky come calling. We'll talk to Greg about that after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. The College Football Report is presented each week by the Gator Bowl with Executive Director Greg McGarity. Here's Greg with the Frangie Show crew. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you on this Thursday. They wound up with an awfully good game, did our friends at the Gator Bowl. You like the song, by the way, Lauren? This, this okay. is my favorite. I thought it might be. Good um, job. Uh, Greg McGarity joins us. Greg, Clemson-Kentucky, I think, is a terrific game. I started worrying when some of the teams started getting announced to other places, but I got to believe you were very excited about the game you got. No doubt about it. We, uh, you know, Clemson wasn't really on our radar 
until, you know, FSU didn't make the top four and uh, just a lot of contractual language that uh, forced kind of Notre Dame out of the out of our three bowl games. And so we ended up with Clemson, UK, and it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Tell me about Clemson, the pursuit of Clemson, how you wound up with Clemson. How did that whole thing come about? Well, it's real complex to begin with, and we we take all day on your show to explain it because it is so prescriptive in the ACC. But at the end of the day, uh, they had to have four teams in our pool, and you had North Carolina State, Notre Dame, Louisville, and Clemson by virtue of their win over North Carolina. So they had to have four teams in the pool, okay. you know, and Notre Dame couldn't come here. Louisville had to be in one of those three games, and just by – uh, a series of events, contractual language, eliminated North Carolina. And so uh, we were able to, to select Clemson at the end of the day. Greg, Kentucky has obviously become one of the most consistent programs in the country under Mark Stoops. What were the mechanics of, of getting Kentucky and, and everything that went with Tennessee and LSU? You know, Kentucky was probably the easiest uh, easiest selection for Jacksonville because they could not go back to Nashville. They were there last year. So we knew that Tampa would not want a uh, a seven-win team when they had a nine-win team with LSU out there because LSU couldn't go back to the Citrus Bowl. Right. So it, it basically sent Texas A&M to Houston. It sent Auburn to Nashville. And really, by default, uh, Kentucky uh, was placed in our bowl. Greg, I know you just finished the virtual press conference with both coaches. How did that go with Dabo and with Mark? Well, they're both. They both. It was kind of funny. They both were at FBOs. Uh, they're out recruiting now, and they were kind of both of them in closets. <laughs> One, uh, uh, Mark was in St. Louis, and and Dabo was in Macon. So uh, there were four or five questions asked, but needless to say, they are both very excited to be here. They're they're two really resilient teams. I mean. What Dabo's done at Clemson is remarkable, uh, and this was his first bowl game as a head coach back in Clemson in 2009. And so Coach Stoops has been here, but you know, like when they were here in 2020, it was a COVID game, so they got to really enjoy nothing in Jacksonville other than the night before the game. So a really good dynamics at play here, and two coaches that are really at the top of their game. Yeah, well, I would say this, and I'm not just trying to blow up your game. Uh... Clemson is one of the best programs in the country in the last 10 years. I mean, they've, they've got two national titles and a bunch of ACCs. And I would say, to Hayes' point a minute ago, Greg, this is, the, this is the best stretch of Kentucky football in history. Now, Bear Bryant had a smaller stretch that was really good. Jerry Claiborne had them top five in the nation in the 70s for a very small stretch. Uh, uh, Hal Mummy did well with Tim Couch for a stretch. Mm -hmm. But I would say this is the – as far as – seven, eight, nine years, this is the best they've been over a long haul in a long time. So two programs that are really upwardly mobile, I would think. And they both play extremely physical football. We all know how Kentucky plays. We see it every week in the SEC. And Clemson's the same way. I mean, uh, uh, Clemson has a great defense. Kentucky's, you know, been hot or cold, but they sure score a lot of points against Louisville. But Clemson has had a remarkable run. I think the only time they've not been in a New Year's game was two years ago, over the past decade or so, was that they were in Orlando two years ago, but they were in the Orange Bowl last year, and so they're back in Florida again this year. So just amazing things that both programs have done, but you're right. I mean, Kentucky has proven they belong in the SEC. They're in the, uh, the upper level and certainly uh, a very worthy opponent for Clemson.
Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Greg, I saw you were interviewed by The Athletic for just the ACC Bowl selection and in, in the kind of the, the hectic nature of Florida yeah. State being left out. Can you give our listeners an idea of what that six hours, you know, what it was like after the selection committee omitted the Knowles from their top four? Yeah, I think it just turned everybody on its heels because, you know, Tennessee and North Carolina had been pegged for our game for a long time. And I think that would have been the matchup had uh, Florida State been in the Final Four. Not being so at 1230, things changed for everybody in the SEC uh, and the ACC as well because we knew we had Kentucky. So that eliminated uh, Louisville, but we were uh, on a call with the ACC uh, mid-afternoon. That call lasted uh, quite some time because I think it took a time for people to reset. I mean, Clemson was – their advance team had already bought tickets to go to San Diego to prepare for the trip. So they got the call that, you know, come back. (laughs) You know, come back to Clemson because now you're going to go down to Jacksonville. But I think what it did is just scramble the pot. And then you had uh, certain matchups that could happen, could not happen, repeat games. And it just took a time really to, to recover. Uh, for the ACC, and also, you know, deal with that, first of all, on how you react to the disappointment, but then also reset because they had a, a, a lot of teams that are in the bowl mix, and, you know, I don't think Notre Dame was pegged to go to El Paso, but that's where they ended up, and I think that bowl sold out in 24 hours uh, because of the uh, Notre Dame presence and Oregon State as well in that game. So, Greg, do you get the sense that, Obviously, you guys are happy, but the other bulls are equally as happy that you work with. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, frankly, they would all have loved. They would have loved to have access to Notre Dame, but there just wasn't a way to, from a contractual standpoint. And uh, the ACC is very prescribed in how they assign teams to bowls, whereas the SEC is kind of loosey goosey, and they kind of just try to work the best matchup they can. But also, the SEC teams there were not enough sec teams to be eligible for bowls so charlotte did not have an sec team nor did memphis so only four team only four bowls in our group of six bowls were able to to have an sec team because so many teams were not eligible two things greg one about your game and then one about the overall process that landed the four teams in the playoffs that we have first of all your game what are your expectations now i would think you hope to sell a lot of tickets right do you have goals uh, Clemson loves to travel. Kentucky knows their way here. What are your goals in terms of ticket sales and the like? Well, uh, uh, we're not where we want to be right now, Frank. You know, we've, uh, we've. I think the 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 reaction from Clemson was kind of stymied because they all thought they were going to the West Coast and nobody was really planning to come here. So gotcha. we think that will that will pick up. Uh, but it's going to be a game to where we're going to have a great crowd. It's not going to be where it was last year. That was a that was a rarity right. in the bowl world to have that. But we're going to have a very respective crowd, and uh, want to encourage there. There are a lot of great tickets available, and we're going to continue to really uh, strive to hit the local markets. There's going to be some really aver- uh, strong advertising the next three weeks that have some uh, discounted tickets that will hopefully drive some interest and. Maybe all those folks that work downtown can get off early, come to our game on Friday afternoon at 12, and then call it a day and enjoy the the New Year's Day weekend. I'm right with you. I'll be there, and I hope people can do that. Um, Final question for you. What did you make? Did they get it right uh, by leaving out FSU and selecting Alabama? 
That was all the talk. It was all the news everywhere. So I'm remiss if I don't ask you your opinion on that. Uh, did they get it right? What do you think? Well, I, I hate it that Florida State's not in there because the message to a, a Power Five conference that goes undefeated and really should receive credit for winning their last two games uh, with a second-string quarterback and then for the championship, a third-string quarterback. And I just hate that that happened. But, you know, the dynamics in that room are are, are just – are just so different. Uh, you've got different viewpoints. And, uh, you know, I just knew, and I think we talked about it on the show, that uh, Herb Street was out there talking a little bit about, right. you know, the best four teams. They may not be the the right four teams or the most deserving teams. And I think there are a lot of people that are in agreement they might have gotten the, the best four teams from the eye test. But I tell you what, who thought Texas, Texas Tech, I mean, TCU, right. was deserving, probably didn't think, they were deserving last year, and look what happened to them. They upset Michigan. Right. So to not give a team the opportunity co- to compete is, is what's heartbreaking. Yeah, and I, th- and I think for you and the rest of us, uh, no question about it. Greg McGarrity, the executive director of the Gator Bowl, congratulations on your game. I think Kentucky-Clemson is going to be a terrific game. Can't wait to call it. I love the fact that it's here. Good work, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, guys. Take care. Greg McGarrity, executive director of the Gator Bowl, Clemson and Kentucky coming to play in Jacksonville. When we come back, Rick Ballou checks in. Uh, one last time with Rick, we'll get his thoughts on Florida State. Uh, the snub, you know how Rick feels about that, but we want to hear it on our air. Uh, we'll talk Knowles with the Ballou after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Little Van Morrison today on Old Rock Thursday. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you. Rick Ballou joins us uh, to talk FSU football one last time here as we put a wrap on the season. Rick, all of us that weren't that aren't FSU fans were kind of aghast at the decision the the committee made. Obviously, you had to be as well. What do you think led to it? They just didn't think FSU could compete in the game. It was SEC Big Ten uh, led the decision. What, what's your what's the Rick Blue take on the whole thing? Yeah, I, I, I think there's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to ten reasons. Um, that's definitely a part of it. I mean, it's no secret that Washington's going to Big Ten, Texas going to the SEC, and those two teams or those two conferences uh, control college football. Um, Florida State was winning ugly. People don't care about defense, NFL or pro. I mean, the last time you talk about a great defense is probably the, you know, the 85, 86 Bears. We just were, were offensive folks. I mean, people are saying Florida struggled. They looked ugly. Uh, Florida State did it Florida. They looked ugly against Louisville. Well, look at Louisville. Look at their last six games, 38 points, 35 points, 34 points. I mean, Florida State held them to six. Doesn't matter. Um, they were ugly offensively so um it became a beauty contest and and that left florida state out but but there's a lot of other factors that that come into play as well it was total propaganda by espn beginning with paul feinbaum i mean kirk herb street um you and i've known each other for 30 years uh, i laugh when people say a broadcaster can affect the outcome of a game it's laughable however Joe Tessitore's call on Saturday night outwardly voted 
and rooting for Louisville. And, you know, say so it's third and eight from the 25. By the way, Texas had a huge win today. Um, oh, incomplete pass. Uh, the Knowles now, this is their seventh consecutive three and out. How about Bama today? What a win for them over Georgia. I mean, he, he couldn't stop talking about it. It was right. like the company line. That ha- that hurt. But I, but I also think, you know, Jim Phillips, who's really bad at his job, okay, he's really bad as the Atlantic Coast Conference Commissioner. I've always said that since Greg Sankey gave the blueprint on cancellations and, and uh, suspensions with COVID, and then you introduce Jim Phillips a day later in Charlotte, and he can't even answer the question. It was the most obvious question that was going to come, and he was totally unprepared. He's been bad. He put together this alliance with the Pac-12 and Big Ten saying, we don't want to expand to 12 teams. If so, we would have a 12-team college football playoff this year. So his fingerprints were on that. And I also think, finally, you know, Drew Weatherford and Florida State's um, bought coming out, their board of trustees, publicly airing all of this dirty laundry uh, by saying that we cannot compete for championships in the Atlantic Coast Conference, I think they looked at that and said, you know what? He gave us all the information. He gave us all the material we want. The ACC is a second-tier conference. Florida State thinks it's too good. They need to get out of that conference. This is the final year of a 14 playoff. We are going to leave Florida State at the altar. I, I, Frank, I don't think Boo Corrigan and Jim Phillips, even though it cost that conference money, I don't think when push came to shove, They went to bat for Florida State because Clemson's upset, North Carolina's upset, Miami's upset, but they did not publicly call out the conference Mm -hmm. the way that Drew Weatherford did and the way that Florida State's Board of Trustees did. Does this accelerate Florida State's exit from the ACC, Rick? Because how can you hold them to a grant of rights if you have a league that gets shut out from from the playoff? I don't know if there's a clause in the GOR and the grant of rights that says we are not able to be competitive enough in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the rules of the college football playoff selection committee clearly states that if you lose a player or players that affect the way that a team plays, you can be voted down or out. And I'm paraphrasing here because of that simple reason. So I, I, I don't know what grounds they would have. I mean, all this talk of suing and transparency. The only transparency they had to give you was that. You lost your quarterback. You're not the same team now that you once were. So I, I think the grounds of suing are absolutely ridiculous. Here's the problem, Hayes. Okay, they want out. Where are they going to go? They don't have the academics to go into the Big Ten. The SEC doesn't want them. Where are you going to go? I mean, it was so foolish for them to make this statement the way that they did without a landing spot. People go from job to job and relationship to relationship all the time. But when you're going to flex your muscles the way that Florida State did, especially after being 11 and 13 in their last three years in the ACC, you at least should know where you're going to end up. And Florida State didn't. And right now, I have no clue where they're going to play football if they leave the ACC. Rick, who would your four teams have been? If you were on the committee, uh, that's a tough question. I, I, I still, you know, I thought if honestly, I thought if Bama won, Georgia would still be in. I, I said that all along. I, I did not see Texas getting in. You look at Texas's body of work, 
And outside of that week two victory at uh, at Alabama, they won ugly. And I know the Oilers went down. You know, they fooled around with a bunch of teams, including Iowa State. Um, but I think that became the problem. Uh, it, it, it wasn't necessarily about putting Bama in. It was Texas beat Alabama. So the only way you can put Bama in is by also putting Texas in. There's no doubt in my mind that Georgia is one of the four best teams in college football. I mean, look at the committee did. This committee's so awful. They made Florida State feel good. Oh, you just barely missed it. You know, we feel bad for you. We're going to put you at number five. Uh, Georgia, you're at number six. Oh, by the way, Georgia, you're a 15-point favorite right. over the number five team. I mean, the whole committee right. is a joke. So to give you the top four, you know, I, I honestly don't know, Lauren. You can make a case for six teams. Florida State earned it based on what they did. Um, are they one of the four best teams right now in college football? No, they're not because they lost their quarterback. But they got penalized unlike anyone else did over the last decade. Florida State should have been in this Final Four. Um, I would have voted them in. I, I would have, uh, if anyone asked me, I would have said I think they deserve to get in. But it becomes a totally different question if you now say, okay, they got in, but are they one of the four best teams in college football? Rick, the top, the first three teams should have been the undefeated teams. I don't care what everybody says. You got four power, you have your power five conferences. The first three teams should have been the undefeated teams. It should have been uh, Michigan, Washington, and FSU. There's no debate about that. That should have been the first three teams. They're the undefeated teams. And then probably Texas because they beat Alabama, who beat Georgia. So I'm, I'm telling you what it should have been. It should have been the three undefeated. Right. The three undefeated teams should have been one, two, and three. That's how they should have done it. And then between Texas, Alabama, and Georgia, Georgia out because they didn't win their conference. Texas beat Alabama. I think they overthought it. I don't think it was all that hard. So as we move forward, let me ask you about the Knowles. First of all, the bowl game. Is anyone playing? Uh, no, uh, that, that, that's going to be awful. Okay. That's going to be terrible for them. Um, I mean, all these, you know, they're going to lose all these kids that are going pro. The transfer portal's going crazy. Um, you got to play it. You don't want to show others that you're quitters. Yeah. You, you have to play the game. You, you got to get these 15 practices in. It can only help you. But this is going to be a massive challenge now uh, for Mike Norvell because there's a cloud over Tallahassee. And that cloud is everyone feels sorry for us. And no matter what that is in life, that's awful. There's nothing worse than being part of, oh, let's feel sorry for this person or let's feel sorry for that person. Yeah, it's good for maybe a weekend. Yeah, it's good for a couple of days. But, but it, you don't want that hovering over the program. So Florida State fans, you should complain uh, forever. Uh, I'm going to complain whenever I feel like it. But that program has to move on, and, and they have to get rid of players who – kind of identify with that particular way. Uh, you got to trim fat. You're going to have an unbelievable freshman recruiting class. Mike Norvell is going to have better players to work with. I mean, he won this year with primarily three stars. So he's going to bring in better football players. I still think he's going to crush it in the transfer portal. Uh, we talked about that last week. I expect him to bring in seven to ten starters, especially on the defense. You're losing that entire defensive line. And they're going to have to be able to put that away. Again, I don't expect the fans to, but Mike Norvell and the team is going to have to be able to do that. And, and I think that's going to be a massive challenge because just imagine being a kid, going to school, hanging in your apartment, hanging with your friends. Everyone's like, you got, 
you guys got passed over. You should be in it. And how do you get out of that mindset to be able to say, okay, you're right, but that's over. We now have to look to 2024. And you answered my second question. What do you think will happen next year? A lot of portal. Maybe Cam Ward is the quarterback. I think FSU might be the number one destination for him. We'll see what winds up happening. Rick Ballou, great work all year, buddy. And, uh, and again, I think we, no matter who you root for, I think we all kind of agreed FSU got screwed on this one. So it, 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 your, your, your lead just doesn't matter, I don't think, on this one. So, Rick, we appreciate it, brother. Take care, man. All right, buddy. All right, Rick Ballou talking uh, Seminole football with us. Uh, by the way, everything he said made perfect sense why they got shut out. Uh, he, he brought up things that I didn't even think about. I think he brought up things about them. Uh, they called out the NCAA, and they called and, and, and they called out the ACC, which is why the ACC probably didn't go to bat for them. I think there's probably a lot of – I hadn't thought about that, but I think there's probably a lot of truth to that. So uh, our picture next. This is 1010XL 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. No. The Otterson Wealth Advisors Risk Reward Picks of the Week. Otterson Wealth Advisors, your goals, our expertise. RJ? All right. I really hope they can steal this music. Yeah. I think as long <laughs> as you just change a fraction of it, I think you can pawn it off as I love an it. original. Song. And I mean, you know what? And you know a lot of attorneys. Let's do that. Yeah, let's make it happen. Wasn't Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven the beginning of it was pirated? I, that song's still playing on the radio as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. So here we go. Hayes Carlion last week. No, no, tell me. Lauren Brooks last week was the big winner. <laughs> she was 4-2, and two, five total points. She had a game picker upper. Hayes and RJ, 2-4, two, two total points. That was 1-5, one, one point. Uh, so the way it looks now, Hayes is 63 and 31, 67 total points. You're not claiming victory, though, yet. No, I'm only up six. Okay. Uh, RJ, 15, 34, 61 total points. Lauren and I are both 54 total points. I'm 43, 41, she's 42, and 42. Here we go. 67, 61, 54, 54. Hayes picks first because he's ahead. Army, Navy. Who do you like? I like Army. They've been playing a little bit uh, hot right now. I think they've won four in a row. So give me Army, please. Lauren, you've been you've uh, researched it by now. Who do you like? I have done no research uh, like this you. year at all. That's why I'm in last place, Frank, tied with you. Uh, I'm go just going to go with my uh, heart here. My grandfather served in the Navy. My dad served in the Army, but for a much shorter time. Grandfather served in the Navy. He would always say, go Navy, so we're going to go Navy. RJ. Navy midshipman. I'll go Army, come with Hayes. Two Armies, two Navies. Now to the National Football League. The Colts play at the Bengals, and MVP candidate Jake Browning <laughs> quarterbacking Cincinnati, Lauren Brooks. Uh, I will go with the hot hand, and, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals. Jake Browning, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, the list goes on. Uh, I'll say that the Bengals beat Gardner Minshew. R.J. Saunders. Yeah, give me uh, the future Hall of Famer, Jake Browning, and uh, give me the Bengals. You're supposed to go first. I forgot. Who do you want? What's oh, that? You're no, to go. you you go. Go. You can pick. Go. Go ahead. Go I'll take. Uh, I was Cin confused yeah. when you went to me first. I'll take Cincinnati fight. and give you the game pick. I'll take the Colts. There we so, go. I completely forgot. You're supposed to go first. Broncos Chargers. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was sitting there like, hmm. Uh, Broncos, I was see like, what happens oh, here. Okay, I guess I'm out. Broncos Chargers. Who do you like? 
Uh, me? Yeah. Is it my go? <laughs> it's your go. Okay. Uh, I will take. Uh, I'll take the Chargers. Gosh, I don't feel good about it though. Lauren Brooks. I think this is a very difficult game to pick. I'll go the other way. I'll take Russell Wilson and the Broncos. I'm gonna go with the Chargers. Oh, you went Broncos, right? I did. I'm gonna go Chargers at home. RJ. Game picker upper psych. Give me the Broncos. Because it is. You little jerk. Uh, Bills and the Chiefs. Hayes Carline. This is a gut feeling. I'm going to take the Bills. Uh, it feels like they're due, so give me Buffalo and an upset. I'll go against you there. I'll take the Chiefs. RJ. Give me the Chiefs. And Lauren Brooke. Well, I was going to go with the Chiefs, but I can't give them a game picker upper, so I'll take the Bills. Respect. <laughs> Great respect for you there, okay? You know what? I'm, You're I'm, welcome. Great respect for you there. <laughs> Otherwise, I've gone against him every right. other game. Cowboys at home against the Eagles. Hey, Scarline. Cowboys. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Eagles. RJ. I'm going to fly like an eagle. Hey, uh, Lauren Brooks, you got to go Cowboys. You can't give him a game for crap. Well, I was going to go Cowboys anyway. Oh, that's right. Not Don't worry. I think Dak Prescott, I mean, I've given him grief in the past. His is upset. I've given Dak Too a bad. lot of flack in the past, but Dak is playing at an MVP level, and so I, Cowboys are at home. And the home team, the Moneyball Jags and the Browns. Hey, Scarline. I'm going to take the Browns. I just think it's uh, it's too difficult a putt for the Jaguars. Too many injuries going on the road, short week, and I think that Browns defense is going to be too much for Jacksonville. Or Brooks. I'm going to go the other way, not just for gamesmanship. I think Trevor Lawrence might actually play. I think this team is, especially the defense, is embarrassed after the Monday night performance on the national stage. It is going to be sloppy. It's going to be cold, but I think they find a way. RJ. What can Brown do for me? Hopefully give me a game, not a game picker upper, but a, the money ball. So give me Cleveland. And right, I'll take the Jags. I'll come with Lauren on this. I think the Jags are going to play really well in this game. So here are the picks. Army, Navy, right down the middle. Hayes and I say Army. RJ and Lauren say Navy. Bengals, Colts. Um, game picker upper for me, Colts on the road. The rest of you like the Bengals. Broncos, Chargers down the middle. Lauren and RJ say Broncos. Hayes and I say Chargers. Bills, Chiefs down the middle. Hayes and Lauren say Bills. RJ and I say Chiefs. Eagles, Cowboys. I like it down the middle. Uh, RJ and I have got the Eagles. Lauren and Hayes have the Cowboys. And Jags, Browns down the middle. Lauren and I have the Jags. RJ and Hayes have the Browns. One more time. Hayes is in commanding, has a commanding lead. His lead is 67 total points, 53 and 31 in the year. He's having a good year, by the way. RJ, 50 and 34, 61 total points. I'm 43 and 41, 54 total points. Lauren is 42 and 42, 54 total points. 67, 61, 54, 54. This usually goes to the end of the regular season in the NFL, I think is what we generally do. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, the, mm-hmm. winners, the winners usually in the mid to high 70s. I can tell you that. that. That much I do know. So I think we go to the end of the regular season. So there you go. Those are our picks. Uh, we've talked about college football and pro football a great deal. Um, do you make anything of the fact that, that Trevor was at practice and throwing it around? Sure. I mean, everyone, everyone's showing the video out there. Yeah, it's a good sign. I mean, it, it, it certainly – look, he played with the knee on a much shorter week. Uh, that was Sunday to Thursday. Uh, this is uh, in, an ankle injury where you're going Monday to Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's very encouraging. Uh, and, and so – I, yesterday, I think I had gone from 20% he plays to 45% he plays. I'll now say I'm going from 45% he plays to 49% he plays. I still don't think he will, okay. but, uh, but I think it certainly keeps trending in the right direction. 
Yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence is a tough individual, and if he's able to throw today, that's certainly a good sign. I think he's going to try, do his very best. He may not end up playing, but I think he'll at least try to play on Sunday, and he may have to come out after the first series. We'll see what happens, but I think he's going to at least try to give it a go. He's never missed a start. He's never he's never missed a start, so uh, so we'll see. I, I I thought early in the week, no chance he plays. I started changing my mind a little bit yesterday. Still thought, woke up this morning thinking he wasn't going to play. Then I've gone back and forth. I'm probably 51-49 plays, but uh, we'll see. I, he, the bottom line is he's out on the practice field. Now, by the way, just the fact that he's running around practicing with no contact doesn't mean he's going to play in a contact football game and, and on a rainy day against a really good defense. I mean, Miles Garrett's a really good player, so it doesn't mean that's going to happen. By the way, the uh, state high school championship game is on right now. St. Augustine versus Daytona Mainland, and the Yellow Jackets lead this thing. They ran, Hayes, they ran back the opening kickoff That's for a right. touchdown. So, um, so St. Augustine leading, but Mandarin also – Mandarin plays tomorrow, right? In Mandarin's game yes, tomorrow? Yes, Mandarin's game is tomorrow at 3 p.m., and then Bradford plays Coco at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. Yeah, so three teams from the area, um, uh, Stark, Bradford County, uh, St. Augustine High, and Mandarin High all trying to win a state championship. Wouldn't that be something that – the uh, Carson Beck's team wins another one, the one he won the first one, and on uh, in, in, in a year where I thought he would win and he didn't. It's, it's a weird world we're in. We'll take a break. Lauren wraps the program in news and notes right after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. Down in the hollow. Playing a new game. Speaking of playing games, St. Augustine now leads Mainland 13-0. Both touchdowns off of special teams. So Brian Braddock and the Yellow Jackets. Welcome to Gainesville, Come Brian on down. Braddock. Yeah, well, well, not only that. Speaking of special teams, I feel way better now because apparently Florida just got the best punter in the country. Ooh, well, they're gonna need him. Nick Delatorre. You, know, will be you happy. know what? Can I say one thing to you? Championship. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, can you tell me where the Natty is next year? Yeah, because isn't it sad that I don't even look at that stuff anymore? Well, because well, it's, I mean, it might as well be a totally different sport that listen, the Gators are playing compared to the teams. What you don't understand do is I have spent much of his career following, and it's Atlanta. Bobby Inksler. <laughs> uh, we got the ink. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Inks, Inks, yeah, Inksler. Uh, I've always thought if you land him, I mean, Lagway's good and all. Yeah, but you get Bobby <laughs> Inksler. Everything changes. That's right. Okay. You know what? Co- he's an old coffin corner punter of hers. Okay. <laughs> Ray Gra- you might as well just go ahead and give the Ray Guy award. Yeah. Okay. That's over. Right. For the next four years, mm-hmm. I can tell you, I don't know what else is going to happen. Ray Guy is <laughs> over. Bobby Inksler coming to Gainesville. I feel so much better. You should. And uh, speaking of feeling better, tomorrow we are going to make a lot of kids feel better. We will be at the Ill House at Beach and Hodges, and we will be collecting unwrapped toys to go to kids benefiting Big brothers and big sisters of Northeast Florida. So come on down. We'll be there from 3 to 7. So come and hang out with us and bring some unwrapped toys as well. Yeah, it's going to be one of the really fun days of the year. Ale House, Beach and Hodges. Uh, the Hastings Injury Law Firm puts it on every year. Big brothers, big sisters of Northeast Florida. Their kids are the recipients. We can't wait to have you come on out. And uh, uh, let's bring a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of toys with those kids. It'll be a lot of fun.
Absolutely. This community always steps up. We talk about it for the Tom Coughlin J Fund, uh, and they certainly will step up tomorrow as well. I'm always amazed at how many toys are there. Basically, by the time we get the show going, we don't really even technically start collecting toys until 4 and collect them from 4 to 7. But really, of course, people bring them well in advance of that, and it's just unbelievable. Hayes, I feel like I bring my toys in before the show starts at like 2.30, and I'm looking for a place to put them. Yeah, it it really is remarkable. It's one of the coolest things uh, because it it just – it, it is staggering the generosity and it's going to be a lot of fun because yeah. every one of those toys represents uh, a, a day made a Christmas made for a little boy, little girl. And that's uh, that's magical. So it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well said. One Jaguars note, they did place cornerback Christian Braswell on the reserve injured designated for return list. So that opens up his 21-day window. He was injured. The hamstring for him was injured on October 14th. Yeah, that won't affect this week's game, but it will affect it. could definitely affect the Jaguars' depth in the secondary moving forward. Hayes, how excited are you for Thursday Night Football tonight on Amazon Prime? Patriots-Steelers, and it seems like we're going to have Bailey Zappi versus Mitch Trubisky. I mean, if you don't love that, you don't love freedom. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just all there is to it. If, if you can't get excited – about uh, watching this American yes. football game <laughs> yeah. on Amazon Prime. Uh, it, you know, look, will I watch it? Yes, because I'm a sick individual, <laughs> I, and the Steelers are still somewhat in it. And I'm kind of fascinated because I haven't watched the Patriots right. probably in, like, two months. I, I, I can't even remember the last time I watched a mm-hmm. Patriots game. So I'm sort of deliciously intrigued okay. at how awful they've become because they were so great for so many years Absolutely. of my adulthood. So uh, so I am kind of actually somewhat excited. I like George Pickens, so I'm, I'm curious to see if Trubisky can get him the ball, if he makes a, a, a wild play tonight. And, uh, and I'm just really intrigued with, is this the end of the line for Belichick in New England, and just how miserable do they look? So... I'll be locked in. Bad football game, but I'm excited to watch a bad football game. I got two words for both of you. Track meet. Okay. <laughs> listen, listen. Bradshaw and Brady were good at their respective teams. <laughs> but would you give me Zappy and Trubisky on a Thursday night? Woo! Good football. And I just assume, I don't think Belichick, Belichick had said who's going to start. I just have been reading about the Patriots, and it seems like Zappi's going to start. I mean, I feel for Mac Jones because this whole thing has been awful for him. The Patriots have two wins this entire season. They are 2-10. and ten. So my, how uh, the, the mighty have fallen. 12 Super Bowls between them? That's right. Oh, it's going to be good stuff tonight. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. All right, so but these games. What, what, just awful. These games are not in our picks because they're Monday night. But did you realize that we have dueling Monday night yeah, football and games? It's the same time, too, isn't same it? Same exact time. That's why I say dueling. Yeah, yeah. Both kick off at 815. You've got Titans at the Dolphins, and you've got Packers at the Giants. I wonder why they, they structured yeah, it where that. they're both at, I mean, at least ESPN separated by like 40 minutes yeah. so that right. there's you know halftime that we have to, where you just go yeah. straight into the other game. Nope, you have to choose. I, I don't understand why they'd make them the same exact time. Yeah, yeah. remember, they, they, they mixed up the schedule this year. And they tried to use the metrics and analytics to tell them why. But I agree with you. Even an hour and a half in between would be the way to go. Yeah. Either way, uh, it should be interesting. Head coach Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers, is the best December coach in NFL history. He is 16-0 and in December. And here's the Packers' upcoming December schedule. As I just mentioned, they're on Monday Night Football going up against the Giants in New York. You've got the Packers playing host to the Bucks the following week. 
the Packers at the Panthers the week after that, and the Packers at the Vikings New Year's Eve. I don't know that they could lose a game, but I don't know that, that any of those are guaranteed losses. And if Jordan Love looks the way he looked last week, mm-hmm. and really recent weeks, but I mean, if they play the way they did against the Chiefs, no, they're 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 playing a really good. Give him credit, man. I mean, they they I they looked like a disaster early in the year, and they look pretty good now. I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're the seven seed right now. And to Lauren's point, I think they're surging at the right time, and so I I would expect that they're not going to go into any tailspin here. Uh, I don't think they can catch the Lions. The Lions are nine and three, so I think Green Bay will be a wild card team, and they're not going to be the five because Dallas is nine and three. So the uh, NFC East runner-up is going to be the five seed. But, you know, look, even just if they make the postseason, the year after you lose a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback would say a lot about the Packers, their coaching staff, their front office. And, yeah, if they're right on Jordan Love, I mean, my goodness, what are the odds of – I don't know that he'll end up being Farvin Rodgers, but if he is a solid, you know, above-average starter, I mean, to get that right three straight times – Remarkable. And it's funny, too, or ironic that Packers fans were so upset by the pick when it happened because it upset Aaron Rodgers. Well, then Aaron Rodgers turned and just left Packers fans in the dust, went to New York, and now maybe Jordan Love might actually be good. Uh, By the way, here's another reason that I picked the Cowboys. Head coach Mike McCarthy underwent surgery yesterday for acute appendicitis, but he's expected to be on the sideline for Sunday night's game against the Eagles. So shout out to Mike McCarthy. I will say this, by the way, about, about that game. The Eagles are interesting because they were really manhandled by the 49ers. Now, look, the, the 49ers also manhandled the Cowboys earlier in the year, manhandled the Jaguars here, so they're they're laying it to a lot of good teams. But the Eagles have looked flawed. For a team that went into that game 10-1 and with the best record in the league, it does appear there's some stuff not working. Don't you get that sense? There's, 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 I'll, be, I'll be interested to, wa- to watch that game. I will. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we have a request to discuss some golf on the show. So reigning Masters champion John Rahm is leaving the PGA Tour for Live in a deal worth, this is rumors, between 450 and $600 million. This is the same John Rahm who said he would absolutely never leave no matter how much Liv paid him. But I'm also confused, gentlemen, because I thought PGA Tour and yeah, Liv were yeah. joining forces, see so yeah. why are we having golfers leave? I am totally confused. <laughs> I, there's still a li- I thought when the, when the merge happened, Liv went away. Then I heard, no, Liv's not going away. Right. They're just merging. Now – it almost seems like they, they, they have to get to an agreement at the end of the year in some capacity and haven't done so yet. I, I, I am totally confused on what we have out there. I, I really don't know. It, it almost makes you wonder if Liv has just decided we don't need this merger. Uh, it's not in our best interest. So it, it does make you wonder if I, the future of golf is, is once again in serious jeopardy. I think it was anyway, even if they had merged. I think I think Liv has been terrible for the sport. But uh, in looking at it, yeah, to make this kind of move, I mean, why would you pay John Rahm all this money if you're getting ready to merge? So for me, it's a clear indication that the Saudi government is pulling back on this merger, and this merger is not going to happen. And that's probably bad news for the PGA Tour? I think it's bad news now because you've already damaged your credibility in wanting to do the merger. Right. So now, at least in doing the merger, you are going to be financially saved, rid of the litigation, and at least in their minds, in control of how the sport goes. Now it's going to, if this deal falls apart, now it will be the worst of both worlds. 
because you'll have made this terrible deal mm-hmm. that didn't even get consummated. And and now where are you in looking at the, you know, the future of, of the PGA Tour? So, yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can draw out of it. I mean, otherwise, why would you pay John Rahm a bunch of money if you were just going to merge anyway? He was going to have – a merger would indicate he was going to have every right to play live golf if he right. wanted and PGA Tour golf. But you wouldn't have to give him – the three hundred million guaranteed, you know, dollars mm-hmm. to to have them do it. So it doesn't make sense to me unless the deal is going to ultimately fall through. And to Frank's point, it's got about three and a half weeks before it does. And finally, NBA talk. RJ, who wins between the Bucks and the Pacers? And of course, I think you're going to pick the Lakers over the Pelicans. Yeah, I think it's going to be the Lakers versus the Bucks in this okay. one. Although. Uh, Indiana looks very good, so there could there could be an upset here. I wouldn't be surprised. So the first game, the East semifinal, tips off at 5 p.m. today. Yeah, I, and still, this, I still don't understand what this is. This this is an in-season tournament. Oh, I know what it's called. And uh, the winners get how much money did we say? Like 500000 or something? Yes, 500 k so, so they get, you know, pennies on the dollar in comparison to what they normally make because they normally are making like $40 million a year. But I still, does it count in the standings? <laughs> I still haven't figured this out yet. The regular so, season standings, no, right? Yes. All these games count except for the championship. So every game okay. counts. But, right. but, yeah. but do they all play the same amount of games? All the all the NBA teams did, um, like in the round robin. Um, and now for now it's we had the quarterfinals, I believe, a couple days ago. Now it's just semis, and then we'll have the finals, uh, I believe, Saturday, I want to say. Yeah, the final is, uh, I, I think, Saturday. Yeah, I'm Saturday not, night, 830 I'm on not ABC. smart enough. To, but so – so all the games except the playoffs count in the regular season. The playoffs count. The championship doesn't. So if the playoffs count, some teams will, at the end of the year, have played more games than other teams. The two no, in the because right? there will still be regular season games. I forget, like, how this went. I think it was if the Pelicans would have lost, they would have played the loser of whoever played in, you know, like their half of the bracket and stuff like that, and that would count as their regular season game. It was – like a very confusing thing, but I think TNT uh, gave like more clarity to the to the whole entire situation. All right. Well, I'm sure people will be watching today at five and at nine p.m. Time now for today's takeaways. Now today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over fifty years. My takeaway is that the Florida Gator football program looks to be really doomed in 2024 with Trevor Etienne announcing that he is going to go into the transfer portal. Florida, coming off a five and seven year, just simply did not have very many quality players returning. And to lose a player like Etienne, and and you're probably not only losing him, but you're going to have to play against him if he decides to attend Georgia or Florida State, I think just a crippling blow to the image of Billy Napier's fledgling program at Florida. And I think we're getting to the point where it's reaching in just an inevitable situation where it's clear Napier is not going to survive. It's just, is it going to be a complete debacle? Do they go three and nine next year? Does he find his way to five wins again on a very difficult schedule? But it's getting very hard to see Florida pulling themselves up and having a quality 2024 season, which I think is going to demand eight wins for him to retain his job as coach and get a fourth year. And my takeaway, Trevor Lawrence, was at practice today. I'm guessing they'll list him as limited. 
since I read that reporters that were at practice said he did not participate in every drill, but the fact he was there is good news. Folks, that's our program, but don't go anywhere. Speaking of the Jaguars, it's Jaguars Happy Hour right now with J.P. Shadrick and Jeff Lagerman, and that includes the Doug Peterson Show. The coach weighs in as well. We're out of here. Don't forget, tomorrow, live at the Ale House, Man- Mandarin Ale House, uh, Beach and Hodges, the Beach and Hodges Miller's Ale House. Come see us there. We'd love to see you. Bring an unwrapped gift for an uh, unwrapped toy, and it all goes to the uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters Northeast Florida. You're really going to make the kids uh, – season. I promise you that. So we hope to see you. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Francis. So long.